Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with Marissa Lemchako, president of Otso. Welcome, Marissa. Thanks for having me, Carl. Oh, yeah. So I can relate in certain ways with Marissa in that she is a graduate of West Point. I did not graduate from West Point. I was ROTC. I know how hard it is to get into West Point. So you must have been driven at a very young age. I was, yes. Uh, and then the whole idea of doing something a little different in college and serving the country afterward was pretty appealing to me as well. Yeah. So we're going to walk through your career. You, you run your own company now. And sounds very complicated to me. You, it's a real estate related insurance play, and we're going to dig into that. But I want to go back and and talk about uh, your drive and and then your service to our nation, and and then this is a business development podcast. And we were talking about your days at West Point. You really started to realize you had a knack for business development when you were recruiting for the tennis team. So talk a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, so we had the I had the opportunity, some of us who graduate have the opportunity to go back. I played uh, tennis for West Point, so Division One college athlete. And so I had the opportunity to stay before reporting to my first duty station uh, for six months to help my the head tennis coach recruit and assistant coach as well with players. And so a big part of that was the recruiting. And we started, you know, first, first thing I did was start just going to tournaments all around the country. And I didn't realize it at the time, uh, looking back, but that was really my first kind of experience and, and realizing I'm, I'm pretty good at this because uh, there's, a, there's a sales and there's a business development component to that where you have to kind of capture them and get their interest. And I think as someone that graduated, my coach was really smart to put me in the front because I had, I was super excited. I just graduated from school. Um, and so I was, I was really happy to talk about my experiences and share them. And so over time, you know, you have to cultivate those relationships. And not only do you have to capture the interest of the player, the, the, the girl wanting to go to West Point, oh, by the way, this was 2005. And so this was during the height of the war in Iraq at the time. So a little bit Kind of daunting to talk to i know some parents didn't even want to talk to me <laughs> um so but there's a component of me getting the interest of the player and then getting the interest and buy-in from the parents and really having to cultivate those relationships and the trust that hey we're going to take care of your your you know your girl when she comes to school and you're, you're going to see her come out and she's going to turn out like this and it's going to be amazing she's going to serve our country um so that was really, I ended up recruiting one of the biggest classes that year. And I just kind of like sat back and I was like, well, I guess I'm pretty good at this stuff. And I enjoyed it as well. Were you able to use that skill set when you went off and served? You were an aviation support battalion commander after that. I did. I did. I mean, another kind of time, it was really, I think, one of my realizations to going into entrepreneurship at the time. It was, it was business, sales business development in a way, but it was also a little bit, there's ingenuity and innovativeness around one of the projects I did in Iraq. I ran a forward arming refueling point. So what's called like a hot refueling and arming point where helicopters come in while they're still running. Think of it like a gas station where you're also like putting on like missiles and stuff like that. So it's a 24 hour operation. And I ran, we were kind of in the middle of our own area about 16 miles north of Baghdad. 
And I just realized like the system, the fueling system was slow. It was, it was taking 20 minutes, 25 minutes to fuel a black, black hawk. And uh, I was just pulling the thread with, I had 70 soldiers under me with over a hundred years of experience. And just my curiosity was like, hey, how do we make this faster? Can we make this faster? And as you know, being in the military, everything is by you know training manuals and by the book. Um, and so we're going a little bit outside of the box by thinking, hey, we can add these pumps here and do this and this. And, you know, just started playing around with the ideas. And the idea became, wait, wait, this could actually work. And so for probably a better of like four to six months, more, I was there for 15 months. So the beginning part of my deployment was pitching this idea to my, to my um, superiors, my commanders, which had to essentially go all the way up. To the general in charge of Iraq at the time had a high vis it was a pretty high visibility uh, operation. So if something went down and helicopters can't get fuel coming in and out of battle, then that was a big issue, right? So it was persistence, I think, and getting my my leadership on board uh, and cultivating you know new relationships of people that I knew were decision makers. Um, over time and afterwards we were able to get it through and I, I always tell people when we had one hour to do that whole transition of the whole system and I, I don't think I, I clenched my butt, butt cheeks for like an hour straight and did it like oh, I was so nervous that something would go wrong because it just couldn't go wrong right and um, and we went from 20 minutes 25 minutes to fill up a black hawk to a minute and a half two minutes. Wow. And it couldn't have come at a better time. It was actually right before the surge happened. We had no idea the surge was happening. So we went from volume of 20 birds a day, 20, 30 aircraft a day to over a hundred a day. And so it just, it came in, in good timing as well. That's incredible. So talk now about the transition to the real estate business. Yeah, so we, I, I got out of the army about 11 years ago, got off active duty, went to grad school and discovered my love for entrepreneurship. And I don't think I realized it, but years after I'd already gone out and started running my businesses is, you know, I, the, the feeling I get when I'm coming up with new ideas and getting people to buy in was a lot of those same kind of excitement and, and passion, passion feelings I had back you know, when I was, I was in the, that story I just told around the, the fart in Iraq. And um, we've evolved uh, over the last six years. My whole vision and goal has to been to make commercial real estate uh, more efficient and leasing just easier in general. Um, there's not a lot of data available to businesses looking for space as there is to people looking for houses because there's an MLS on the residential side. There is no MLS or regulated database on the commercial side. And so I started kind of my journey in the, in the industry, trying to solve problems like that through technology and through understanding kind of the leasing process, how landlords think um, and brokers think. It just so happened we came up with this idea for OTSO um, and seeing the friction point when um, people are doing leases and having to to put up a security deposit for a business, it's a lot of money, typically it's thousands upon millions of dollars, depending on your business. But we really looked at it from the landlord side and the landlord side is that there is a big gap between upfront costs of putting a tenant in and the collateral that they put up in the deposit. Um, it's, it's a big, big gap. And you don't realize your ROI typically till you know, midterm. And if that tenant defaults, you're out all that money. And so our, our product is really a way for not only businesses to save capital, 
but for landlords to gain coverage um, on a deal and have a little bit more cushion and um, you know transparency and comfort with bringing new tenants in. And so what we essentially do is we underwrite the tenant. They take a quick uh, you know, financial assessment for us. It takes five minutes or less. The decision goes to the landlord. If they're approved, they work us into the deal and say, instead of putting down that $10,000, the tenant's only having to pay $70 extra per month. And so it's this kind of big play on just being more efficient with capital on both ends, really, and then increasing increasing um, protection for landlords, which, as you know, is, is very at top of mind with, with everything going on in the current environment. So in running your own company, not only do you have to, you know, come up with this great idea and and recruit employees and and service your clients, but you also have to go out and you have to get these clients. And so what component of, of this type of business is business development and how do you do that? Yes, so there's, yeah, you're right. We wear a ton of hats as a founder and um, it's, and you have to, it's a blend of both. You've got your sales that you got to get your shortcuts and be more aggressive and close deals and get, you know, again, your first couple customers in the beginning and, and you know, grow that to scale. Um, so there's obviously a heavy sales component, but a lot of founders don't realize there's a big, big business development component to being a founder. Um, and there's this nurturing process where whether it be investors that you're bringing on or big customers or partners, it's over the last you know six years, it was just like, I, I took every meeting because you just never know. And I'll tell you a lot, there's a number of people on my cap table that invested in me that told me no at first, but because I, kept nurturing and you know, just kind of getting to know people as a person. I'm just, I know people have probably talked about on your show here is business development. And it's all about making that connection, remaining memorable, having people want to help you or you want to help people and them just seeing you're a good person and wanting to, in an in investor, investor's case, invest in you or in a business partner's case or a big customer, trust you that you're, you know, you're going to deliver what you're saying you're going to deliver. And you know some of these bigger deals take time, years, um, multiple months, and um, there's that component of that. I mean, there was like I said, there's people that told me no, first year, two, three years later came in, and I'm like, I really love what you're doing. I want to be part of this somehow. And then you, you, know, you and I met kind of in a biz dev type of a manner. We were introduced by a mutual friend. We did a Zoom, and here we are doing a podcast together. There's no real you know, near-term business reason for us to be in contact other than we have a common friend and I, I kind of, we kind of like each other. Right. And so yeah. I, do, do you maintain many relationships like this and, and where do they serve you business-wise down the road? I, I do, I do. I like, and, and for the most part, business is all relationships. Right. And that's, that's the biggest part of this that I love. And that's what gets me out of bed every day is not only you have to be motivated by your mission and your vision of what you're building, but it's the fact that I spend my time meeting new people such as yourself um, and learning about them. And when you form a relationship with someone that's like, you know, oh, we like each other, like you and myself, you feel, you get the comfort down the road to be like, hey, and it's not like I have anything to ask right now, but down the road being like, hey, I, I know you're involved in this. 
I need help. And I think that's another component to being a founder is having that ask upfront uh, with people, because at the same time, unlike traditional business development, where, you know, you have bigger corporate environments, all we have is our time. So it's like that balance of, uh, you know, cultivating relationships because you just like never know what happens, but also, you know, kind of keeping that database in your head and remembering, like I take notes about a lot, almost every person that I meet just to kind of remember, it's like, oh, when we went, we talked about this and this is our connection. This is a memorable thing that they told me. Um, oh, and they're, they're connected to this. And I'm actually looking at, you know, making relationships in this field. So maybe I could just like reach out and talk. So having that kind of ask, um, it, it's like a, kind of a juggle, but that that's, like I said, you, you just never know. And it's also just genuinely liking to, to connect with people as well. And, and especially during COVID. Well, well, jot down that I also play tennis, probably not nearly as good as you. <laughs> and my two favorite states are, are the two states that you, you live in Florida and you have your company in Austin. So Texas and Florida are my two favorite states. <laughs> two, more, yeah. two more notes. Two more things in common. <laughs> so, all right. And, and so as you think about it, and, and like I, I put it all together, recruiting for the tennis team, it, it probably the same skill sets that helped you bring those young women into the tennis team are helping you bring clients in and nurture relationships and build trust that you're doing today all these years later. What what advice do you have to say a young woman who's listening who is just starting out in life and says, well, I'd love to be like her. I'd like to run my own business like that. Um. Yeah, it's it's go after it and don't sit on it. That's what I talk to almost every founder is an idea is don't let an idea stick in your head. You know, try, try to start pulling the thread and you build your, you know, get have that curiosity and the persistence um, and the resourcefulness to kind of put yourself out there um, and, and try to connect. Uh, my network didn't build overnight to where, you know, I'm able to connect with people as, such as yourself through, you know, second, third order effects of people that I've met it's a lot business development, especially when you're starting a business is a big portion of that. Um, and over time, you know, you, you find the people that are responding to you and the, you find the people that want to support you or be a part of what you're doing. And you kind of like grasp onto that. And then there's like second, third order effects of that um, down the road. So it's, it's really just persistence and passion. Um, and I think one thing that's coming in. It depends on your industry. And I don't know if you see this in your industry, Carl, but um, in my industry, I'm finding that, you know, when you have made a lot of connections and you probably have a ton of LinkedIn followers as well. And I've been on Twitter and Facebook and all of that, but there's a component to social media now that's become really important in business development. Um, and that's how, you know, people have kind of come back to me and be like, hey, I saw this post about this. And it doesn't even have to be about your business. It's like articles that inspire you or you think will, you know, connect with your audiences or your, your network. Being genuine is important, but the social media kind of aspect of it, and I think the younger generation get this more than us for sure, <laughs> um, is, is really, really big component um, coming into, I think, sales and, and, and um, especially business development, because when you, you're connecting with all these people on these platforms and thousands upon thousands, you can't call and, you know, text or email them every day, um, or, or have even like to keep up with all of that. So having that presence I'm finding is, is extremely important as well. Absolutely. Great advice. Thanks for joining us today, Marissa Lemchako. 
president and co-founder of Otso. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe, please share it with your friends and rate us. Thanks. You have been listening to Brain Makers with Carl Grant.